Alright. JB's Driving Podcast is hoping the uh, thriller music would get... Remember this video? Yes, I remember this video. Do we... you remember who made this video? No. John Landis. John Landis. Yes. Got together with Michael Jackson to make this video. Really? Yeah. Huge director at the time. It, it, we had... I think I don't know how we got it, but we had like... I don't know if we illegally recorded it, the thriller or something like that. We had it on videotape, the making of thriller. Yeah. I think I watched it like a thousand times. What a great movie. Well, I believe that they played the entire thing on MTV. They might, that might have been it. Um, I know that you could buy it on video cassette. It was one of the few things that I know that they like actually sold the video. It was like a half. The, the video itself is like almost 20 minutes long, I yeah. think. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a great video. Probably this, this move. I think this one more than anything else was probably what propelled MTV to you know overall greatness. I mean, there was plenty of like little things that kind of added together to make MTV a great thing in the '80s and then into the early '90s yeah. before it died in the mid '90s. Yeah, before they just they just. They put it they out of its misery. It. Yeah. They, they really put it out of its misery. Yeah, I mean, what killed it was real world. I mean, oh, if that, nothing else, bam, real world is what it. killed it. As good as real world was, yeah. it was also... It, it was the Marvel movies to MTV. As the Marvel movies are to Hollywood, real world was that to MTV. Too much of a good thing, just obliterate MTV. Well, they, they realized that they could get... Tons of people to watch this shit, and it was cheap. Yeah. It's cheap. very cheap to put together. Yep. So, you know, real world, then then the road rules. Road and rules, and then what really propelled geez, it. There was more and more nonsense bullshit. that just kept coming out after that. And then that. the writer's strike. Remember the writer's strike? Well, the writer's strike killed a lot of things. It killed, I mean, reality really. Reality killed. was all that was left. Yep. Because it was cheap. You don't need writers to write reality. No. Well, there's more writers writing reality now than there was then. Unfortunately. I, I mean, the funniest thing bullshit. is, do you remember, I, I mean, not Joe Millionaire. What was the other one? Uh, Bachelor? No. This one was not real at all. I can't remember the fucking name of it. Joe Schmo Show. I never. Do you Joe remember Sh- the I Joe, don't Schmo remember Joe Schmo Show? Holy fuck, dude. Like, the whole thing was... Just a standard like dating type show where he's supposed to go there and find the love of his life or whatever, and they're all living in this house together and they have to do these ridiculous things and blah blah. Just the same as any other reality show. No, except everybody was in on it except for this guy Joe Schmo. I don't remember his real name, Brandon or something like that. Was oh, he didn't know the whole goddamn show was basically to fuck with him, Man. and they just kept making it crazier and crazier every week, and he was breaking like at one and it, it it's just that show was phenomenal. I really, really, really want to watch it again, but I can't seem to find it. Joshman, I, ne- I honestly, I never heard of it. Apparently, they came out with a second season, but I don't. It was just smell. I think it was total nonsense, and nobody watched the second season. But I remember that first season coming out. 
Yeah. It was great. But anyway, yeah, that's what killed MTV. But what built MTV was shit like that. Thriller. Yes. yes. And, you know, Madonna early stuff. And, you know, a lot of the um, alt rock in the 80s yeah. showing up on there. Yeah. Um, and once they got more and more of the bigger bands making real videos. Yes. In uh, not these concert videos, that's when it really took off. Because initially, all you had were the concert videos. If you watch videos from like the 70s. YouTube, yeah, like U2 and like Queen and all that shit. It was all them singing a bunch of people. Well, they were standing on a stage or yeah. they were like in a black room on a stage. Bruce Springsteen, he didn't yeah. the fire, brought up Courtney Cox on the stage. Oh, yeah, all kinds of stuff in the mid-'80s that made MTV blow yeah. up. But whatever. But just like, just like Thriller. Yes. Made MTV. We're gonna be talking about a movie today. Little lead up with Romero making the next leap of horror movies. Um, before we get to that, any comments on JB Stroud on podcast? Does uh, JB Stroud on podcast? Uh, Jim Paul here uh, again. Tom is still recovering from his uh, hysterectomy. His, his uh, anal hysterectomy. Anal hysterectomy. I I spoke with him earlier today. Asked him who's to come. He doesn't know his no. He doesn't even know his name right now. No. So it's, it's sad. It really it, is. It, it really is sad. He th- he's getting ready to celebrate Christmas, and we're a week away from Halloween. Well, eh, maybe he'll figure it out by next week. I think I heard a, I heard a Hallmark movie in the background. So <laughs> what what you gotta do? And yeah, you know, yeah, it's not quite Hallmark season yet. Yeah, I I think I heard his wife slapping him actually. Well, and, and he start crying, and that's why I hung up the phone. <clears throat> I don't know what they like in that family, so I don't like to enter. Yeah, I just kind of forgot that I even called him until today. But yeah, right now it's anyway. Well, well, well wishes to Tom. Um, and we're still working on our new sponsor. Oh yeah. No. Uh we will I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I contact them directly. Yes. And we, try to get the um cuz they are a weird sponsor. They want us to play their ads. They don't yeah. like usually a lot of these things like you to talk up the ads right. and talk through like hey, we've got the best, you know, yeah. blue chew gum where you can yeah, get like hard or phone we read you like know, you know with Brian Lemon party. Yeah. Th- this is the lem- the best lemon party on the web or exactly. whatever. Exactly. So, this is fan- we the sour puss is out there. This is the best lemon party in the web. Right. So, it, but the problem is is that we um they this the, this company that I'm dealing with, which I don't want to come out ahead of time yeah. and give them free publicity until they've actually signed Nothing on the dotted line. Nothing ever good comes from coming out ahead of time. Trust me. Uh, they Nothing actually want comes. us to use their their uh, pre-recorded spots. Okay. Well, we'll we'll we'll. So I'm going to work with them. Logistics with that. I'm I'm trying to juice them for more money. And let's be okay. That's fine. So that's that's the other thing. They've got plenty of it. So well, I figured the, why did, not. You did tell them about the recording fee and the you know the the extra production fee. I don't think they care. Okay. I really don't. Okay. So um but uh as for last week, <laughs> I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Anything that you uh <laughs> it, now that you've had a week to sit down and think about it. For to marry where, where we uh a little too harsh on I know what you did last summer? I no. <laughs> no. No is the right answer, sir. No. Circle gets the square. No, that movie is downright <laughs> just 
Dad damn. It is horrible. I'm like mad that I I yeah. Well, it had to be done. It had to be done. And I and I'll be honest with you, I don't believe that I haven't had a chance to watch the show yet. But I do not believe that the show is going to be any better. The Amazon show, I, it looks like it's going to basically be like an SJW party yes. with a killer. That's awesome, and because it's it's the the varied cast, you, you know, let's yes, we every ethnic there. and yeah. non-binary they, whatever the fuck Inuit in there as well. So that's good. You know, you Who the Inuit uh, Eskimo? Oh, oh, anyway, okay. I don't want to get canceled. God gotcha. forbid that it happens. Eskimo, you know. Um, and don't forget, next year for Halloween, we'll be covering uh, the movie Urban Legends. Yeah, that one's <laughs> I went slightly better than this one. With the Vaseline girl, Rebecca Gayhart. Remember her? Mm-hmm. She was in all the Vaseline commercials and poof, disappeared like a fart in I air. thought she was Revlon. Was, was she? Va- I don't think it was Vaseline. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Hold on. Let me see here. Nobody sells Vaseline. Maybe it was Revlon. Hold on. Rebecca Gayhart. She was in an accident. She's 50 years old now. Jesus. Shit. I would never have guessed that. Yeah, she was hot for a minute. I think she was like a Revlon or Maybelline or something like that. uh, She appeared in uh, Brett Radner's New York University short film, Whatever Happened to Mason Reese. Um, Noxima. Noxima. We were completely off. Was that the zit medication that you don't see yeah. anymore? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Noxema's the Remember uh that shit? The OxyPads. The OxyPads and all that Bury strips. Yeah. None of that shit worked. I don't think so. It just dried it out your dried skin, out your skin mm-hmm. which is not good for yeah, acne at that's all. That's all you did, you just dry you just dried out, you just you just literally rubbing alcohol on your face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could have done just the same as yeah. you got blitzed and threw up on yourself. We've never done now between you and I, none of us, neither of you have done that. By the way, what we, get we, blitzed and throw up on no, ourselves? We, I did. I don't know what you're talking about. I did it all the time. You do not just hear that, people. None of us did that on this show. We are respectable men. We're manly men. Manly men, men in tights. Yes. So, uh, Night of the Living Dead. I don't think there's anything left for. I am gonna do this last summer. Or Did you the try to hump care. like a set of golf cart clubs when you were drunk that <sighs> Dude, one time? Yeah, I was fucking around. I think you were I trying to hump I, your dog too. No, it was uh, the big brown bear, the no, Welch's you, bear. You were like grabbing anything that was in like your arm length and trying to hump it. Yeah, it was fun though. It, it was, was funny. Fun. Yeah, it was fun. Because, I, I mean, things that you do when you're drunk, it, it seems count. a lot funnier in your head. <laughs> it doesn't count. <laughs> and, like, people are like, ah, you're so drunk, you didn't know what you were doing. I was like, no, I knew exactly what I was doing. I just thought I was funny. Was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, but I thought I was. I was amusing the shit out of myself. You were, you right were. before I went upstairs and started yelling at my cousin Henry's next-door neighbor to stop fucking my sister. <laughs> You don't remember that? What? I went upstairs and started banging on the fucking doors, like banging the shit out of them and yelling, you better not be fucking my sister in there. (laughs) Was that the same night? I'm pretty sure. We didn't have that many parties. I only think we had two, to be honest with you, at my house. Wow. I mean, I went to plenty of parties, but there was only two at my house. Holy shit. So I think all that shit happened on the same night. Yeah. We were all drinking Mad Dog 2020. I don't know what the I what got me was the um I was into Zima. No. 
No, 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 With no. With a Jolly Rancher. I was into a vodka and orange juice. Red Dog. Uh, screwdrivers. So I went in Ice there. House. I had that eight-ounce glass. Oh. Right? I it was those. I, yeah, now I remember. And I yes. went to go make a screwdriver, and it was like three-fourths full of yes. vodka. And he's like, that's way too much I vodka. That I remember so that So I now. downed that fucker. <laughs> I remember that. And then now. I went to go make another one. It was half full. He's like, that's still way too much. So I, I downed that shit. And then I was like a quarter full. And he's like, that's probably still a little too much, but it'll be all right. It, it, and then I you, filled that up with orange juice and downed that fucker. <laughs> and and I was dad, gone. Your dad came home and found his, his vodka gone. That, I was gone that night, dude. Uh, by the end of the night, I was totally gone. Yes. Good times. So, then you try to light the crow symbol on like the middle of the, the <laughs> fucking street with lighter fluid. Who the hell knows what we did? We did a lot of stupid good, nonsense. Good times. Then we played Madden. Yeah. Well, not that night. No. We played Madden at your house. God mostly. no. So, <laughs> night of the living dead. <laughs> Switch gears big time. Yeah. But back oh. to the movie. Holy shit. Night of the Living Dead came out October 1st, 1968. Uh, we have no idea what it did for an opening because they didn't record shit, shit like that yep, back then. Did not. Uh, it totaled out at about somewhere between 12 and $15 million uh, domestic yes. and made $18 million um, overseas, totaling out at about $30 million. Yes. Uh, the budget for the movie was $114,000. Original budget for the movie was only 6000 mm-hmm. And then they went out and found more people and got another 6000 And they was, realized... It was an interesting process how they got the, the money for this. Yeah, they... they well, he, originally he was part of this like trio mm-hmm. that made commercials. He also used to be a... Um, a uh, director for Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. back in the day. So he was directing Mr. Rogers episodes. And uh, one of the things that I read online said that he originally wanted um, Mrs. Uh, Aberlene. Aberlene. Something like that. For the main the main woman, for and, Barbara. And they said... And do, and Mr. Rogers said absolutely a- not. Absolutely you not. You You're making her. that gore gra- gar- garbage. Yeah. But, well, he was a very religious dude. Yeah. I, you know, you can't get on him. So... He was like, she was under contract, so there, he wasn't going to let her do no. that. He's like, absolutely not. You can't so um, he was tired. They were tired of making commercials mm-hmm. and decided that they wanted to make a horror flick, which the horror flick that they decided they were going to make was something that they called Monster Flick. Monster Flick. They didn't have a name for it. They didn't have any, you know, conceptually, they were kind of going after... Um, the uh, their inspiration for this film was the novel I Am Legend. I Am Legend, which is actually a movie. Yeah, it's been made. It's been made a couple yeah. times. The Last Man on Earth yes. is based on I Am Legend. That's starring Vincent Price. It's actually not not a bad movie. Yeah, um, I think most of Vincent Price's shit's good stuff. Yeah, uh, it's not gory like the movie that we call you know the bullshit we watched last week. No, it's more of the mind, and as you said, this the inspiration for this was that you know it was more sci-fi based than anything. Right, and Richard Matheson was the one who yeah. wrote the novel, and uh, of course, every, most people know of the uh, Will Smith yes. uh, "I Am Legend" that came out in the two thousand somewhere, five six somewhere around that range. Yeah. Not a bad flick. Not no, a great flick, but not a bad one. It's passable. Yeah. Um, 
I I thought the ending was kind of bizarre, but it, it seemed to me like they were for the I am legend to get off on a tangent for a second. Seemed to me like they were trying to. He was trying to rectify in his mind, at least in the novel, whether it was better to just join the zombies or whatever you want to call them. Um, they were more vampire-ish. Vampire. They yeah. were vampires in the I Am Legend. Yes, but they were. He was trying to decide, you know, do I continue to fight to stay alive or do I just join them and live this just mindless like existence? Plug yourself into the Matrix. Right, exactly. So it was kind of an interesting concept. I yeah. really... After hear, you know reading a little bit, I thought I might go read the book, because mm-hmm. um, it sounds the novel because it actually sounds pretty good. But uh, this, of course, is just loosely based on that concept. Um, and he vehemently said he did everything in his power to stay away from zombies. Yes. Zombies were something that existed back in like the 19 uh early 1900s they when they did the universal films yes. and shit like that and you had uh Boris Koloff yes. and Lon Chaney Jr. they whenever they were in the Caribbean they had these things called zombies which yes. were usually like what what's the best way they were like slaves. Yeah, they were caught at Canatonic and that right. that is like when you watch your Halloween specials this Halloween when they when they talk about voodoo and zombies, they'll they'll often talk about you know uh, like Haitian and all this, where they have this concoction mixture, where they give these individuals this mixture, they then bury that individual, they it turns them into this catatonic state, to where their local doctors, which aren't like the doctors here, although after what just happened, you have to question them as well. Local doctors there in these third world countries are like, oh, he's dead. They bury him, and then later on that night, the person who gave them the the voodoo doctor or whatever uh, gave them that stuff digs the digs them back up, digs them back up, gets them out. They're they're legally dead. Yeah, and now they're a slave, and that's what. Well, yeah, but it's even worse than that. They would perform some kind of a like surgery on them where yeah. they would. I don't know if they did like a lobotomy where they were sticking uh, something up the nose and pulling out a part of the brain, but they were basically like a zombie. Yeah, they were zombie. Yep. You know where they kind of they could follow simple instructions. A best, the, I think the best um, uh, uh, interpretation of that is uh, Shaun of the Dead. At the end of Shaun yeah. of the Dead, where you know he's sitting there, he can play video games, or he, they can you know bring the carts back up to the front of the store, but they can't do anything of any real intelligence. That seems to be the closest representation of it. But anyway, um, he wanted to stay pretty far away from that concept, uh, but it's kind of, the comparison was obvious. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, you know, he went with, you know, he didn't want to go with vampires. He didn't want something that sucked blood. So he wanted this, this demon or, or ghoul ghoul is what he called him. To eat flesh. Yes. They, he wanted to go with the cannibalism aspect of it because cannibalism was kind of like a... A taboo. A very big taboo in, in the late 60s. I mean, it's obviously it didn't go away. Yeah, but, it's still a very big taboo but for it now. Just, <clears throat> but it was more in the conscience consciousness of the, the nation at the time. Now because, the- you know, you had other shit going on. I mean, like you'd hear about these... Uh, the 
what was it, Prince Frederick that disappeared and was eaten by cannibals, wasn't it? Was it Prince Frederick? I think it was, Fre- I think it was Prince Frederick. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, it was one of the, the British princes that like was going and doing uh, work over in... Um, was it in the was it in the South America or it was, was it in, in South, Africa? South America, I think. Yeah, South I America. think it was South America. I can't remember. That's where I, a lot of the uh, I didn't research are. this because I didn't realize we, we got to make sure we talk keep, about it. We have to <laughs> um, we have to make sure that we keep those um, habitats secure because we got to make sure their culture is recognized. Uh, wait for ten years from now when it's so woke that you'll have the Mc McFemur being served. <laughs> In in lieu of the McRib, yes, the McFeber. So culturally aware, because uh, all cultures are created equal, right? Um, one of the things, uh, fucking barbarians. I couldn't because they didn't have like a tr- typical release schedule back yeah. in the day. Like they kind of released a movie once a week, yeah, one movie a week, yeah. one big movie a week, yeah. or or uh, you generally didn't see a lot more than that, but. Weirdly enough, because this released on October 1st, which I believe was a Saturday in a matinee, yes, um, it was released around this on the same day as the um, uh, son of a bitch, the double feature movies, the uh, Splatterhouse, the, yeah, that kind of yeah. shit. So there was a ton of movies that came out that same day, none of which you'll ever know. The Taming, no. which looked somewhat pornographic walking otley dayton's devils massacre of pleasure god respect us when we work but love us when we dance one horse town the young animals and panic in the city um if you look at the posters on a lot of these movies that come out this year (laughs) a lot of these were like pornographic oh yeah in nature because there was like Naked women on the posters and shit like that. It was... It was pretty graphic. Yeah. Uh, but the other big movies that were out at the time included uh, Coogan's Bluff, which was uh, Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet, which is the version that you probably... If you were our age, it's the version that you watched in high school. Mm-hmm. With the nudity. Yes. Um, Tatas. Yeah, nice. Uh, <laughs> Bullet, which was... Uh, God damn it, I forgot who was in that now. Uh, Journey to Shiloh, Funny Girl, uh, that's the, um, you know, Funny Girl, and Hang 'em High, which was another Clint Eastwood movie. Yes. So that's he actually had two big ones then. 60s when the Westerns were still in vogue. Yeah, it, it was right before they had kind of petered Far, out. Farted out, yeah. Yeah. So uh, those were the other mo- the other big movies that were out in this within a month of this movie. Uh, you, you know what floors me is this little aside is is this movie was made in '68. Yes, it floors me that eight years later Jaws came out. It just floors me, like within a decade. You mean the advancement in in making just films? Every, yeah, I, I think that I think it's a bad. A bad because it's black. Bad and white. comparison because you're looking at Jaws, which was a an expensive movie. Expensive. I mean, it was a big budget True, movie. You got a point there. Okay, point. so there was a lot of money, and you could do the best and newest shit in it. Uh, this movie was made on a shoestring budget. Yeah. Um, you couldn't do a lot. Mm-hmm. But and uh, go ahead. 
What I, what I, I guess I should clarify just the vibe of it all. Like, just the vibe. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. This oh, I agree vibe with that. Felt like old. Like, if you look at everything that was in it, it just looked old. Not just black and white. Black and white, they, he tri- Romero chose it for his own reasons. Well, he, beginningly, it, to start with, he did it because of finances. Finances. Yeah. Okay. Overall. But. When the film was finally put together, had he tried to do this in color, it would have looked cheesy. It wouldn't have looked good. It turned out better because it was grainy. And because it was rustic looking, it looked more like the old war films of the the 40s. So it had that authentic look to it, which made it even more gruesome to people in 1968. Obviously... When I watched this as as a kid, relatively young, uh, I'd say first time I watched this was probably about 11 or 12 years old, I didn't find it scary. But I had already seen Friday the 13th. I had already seen Halloween. I had already seen those big slasher films. slasher films. So by the time I got to this, this was mellow. Yeah. Now in 1968, this shit would have blown your mind. Because this was a a turn. Think about... uh, Let me put it to you this way. Last night, me and my daughter watched... Uh, House on Haunted Hill, the original from 1950. Yeah, Vincent Price. I think it was 58 or 59, Mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, William Castle film. And um, we watched it. We watched the Rift Tracks version this time because we've seen it like me and her have watched that movie like three or four times. Was the Rift Tracks version any good? Yeah. I mean, those guys are usually pretty funny. They they hit or miss sometimes, but mostly hit. Right. Um, so we watched the Rift Tracks version of it last night. It's on Amazon if you want to catch it out. Uh, it's worth watching, especially they start off with these shorts that are pretty good. So anyway, we're watching it. It's like you had a skeleton on string, like less than a ten year, you know, less than ten years before this. So it's like just the the amount of going from that being scary to people because people were scared by that movie. Mm-hmm. to 10 years later watching something like this, then fast forward just a year or two, and you had the the double feature type stuff that I was talking about. It, it had gotten away from the sex yeah. and had gone to the graphic violence. Yeah. Okay, it was very comic-related. You know, the black exploitation stuff was mostly comedy-type yes. stuff or very gritty action, but you also had... The white ver- the white movies that were being pushed out, the low budget white movie yes. double features, that were very gritty, very grainy, very much in the same style as this movie. Yeah, like the uh, what's that cannibal movie they had? I spit on your grave. Not. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Deliverance is. It came out in the 70s. You had I spit on your grave. You had these are all the kinds of movies. But the cannibal movie, cannibal holocaust. Yes. Uh, that one came out. I thought that came out a little later. Was it? But um, I thought that was like seventy, somewhere between the late seventies and early eighties. I could be wrong. But um, you might be right. I, I it's hard, to, dude. It's so. Nineteen eighty. No, dead. Yeah. Nineteen eighty. Yeah. So I, I I thought it was a little later, but those kind of movies were original, grimier, grittier, more violent, more in your face. Yeah. And that was all happening through the 70s. Yes. So, you know, I mean, the violence we have today, 
I know it's it can be more graphic and more like, oh, we're going to slice a body into 17 parts and then it's going to slide off the blade. But at the same time, that's almost cartoonish. Yeah, let's say it's comical. It's comical. It's, in it's in not... comparison to watching some of the grittier violence yes. in those earlier films. Um, and I could see how, because of your audience, like I've always thought, and, and I've, I've said this probably never to you, but I've said it a million times. I would give any amount of money to play the House on Haunted Hill from 94... That was no. That was more like ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay, ninety eight, ninety nine. I don't give a shit. Yeah, no. I'm the just... one from the nineties. Yes. I would give any amount of money to take that film back to nineteen fifty four and play that instead of the the original House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. People would die. Yes. People would literally die in the audience. Yes. It, it's not a question. No, they would. They would have been so afraid. That they would have literally died. People would have died in the audience yep. of fear, and, and and I don't think that you that people really understand that on on the graphic st- scale of the on how things are. They just say, "Oh, things just get so much more graphic." Yeah, that's because you need to shock people. Yeah. What shocked people in 1954 is not going to shock people in 1994 right. or 2024. Right. It just isn't because we've seen. Everything. My kids look at horror movies that scared the shit out of me as a kid, mm-hmm. and they laugh at it. Mm-hmm. They think it's funny, and it's like, dude, this this was fucking hardcore, scary shit when I was now, a kid. Now it's now now you're just kind of inoculated to it. It's like, Meh. but yeah, it just it's you're right. It's like throughout the decades, the amount of scare that you need to put it to the point where it's become stupid at this point. Slicing someone in a seven, it's just like, eh. it's like you're 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 just. I, I remember when it started for me to get so comical that it was not even scary anymore, and it was Jason X. I thought it was Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, when I was a kid, I was right. still scared by Nightmare Jason on Elm Street. X, yeah. But Jason X, more than anything else, because there's a scene that's supposed to be like really graphic and gruesome where this guy gets killed and he falls down on what can only be described as this really, really big, like, screw. I don't know why there would be this screw here. I don't understand it at all. But he lands on this screw, and he punctures the top of it, and then he proceeds to slowly spin around and go down the screw. That was, like, it for me. And then, of course, there's later in that movie where Jason takes the two girls. They do this little flashback scene of Jason and and Camp Blood and all that, Mm -hmm. and there's these two girls who are like, you want to have premarital sex? Do you want to smoke weed and get high? And like Jason grabs the two of them, puts them in the sleeping bag, and starts bashing them against the tree, which that scene to me is my favorite in all the Jason movies. It's just funny as fuck. I I can't even contemplate how funny. funny that is. It's funny. But it's just, it's so far away, f- even though it's gruesome as shit. Yeah, it's, it's so stupid. It's so stupid and it's so, you know, graphically funny that it's, it, you can't take any of it serious anymore. Yep. At one point in time, you're watching My, my, uh, 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 my Bloody Valentine and, you know, he ripped somebody's heart out and put it in a goddamn box yeah. and, and sent it to the cops. That was fucking gruesome, dude. Yeah. That that was like, 
what the fuck when you're a six-year-old kid? Now you're getting a screw. Now you go back and you watch it, and it's just like, eh, eh. But I don't know. Whatever. So let's get on to this because well, yeah. we're all over the fucking place. I did want to point out the only real official Living uh, Living Dead movies. Uh, by, by that, I mean George Romero, and we'll get into why these are official and the other ones aren't. Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Dawn of the Dead was 1978. Day of the Dead from 1985. Land of the Dead from 2005. Diary of the Dead, 2007. Those were all done by Romero. Romero then you had Survival of the Dead in 2009. And you have uh, a couple on the uh, that are coming. Uh, Night of the Living Dead 2 in 2022. Road of the Dead... And huh. Twilight of the Dead. They haven't been announced when they're coming out. Interesting. But see, at this point, Romero's dead, so I don't know who's carrying the torch for that series. It, you know, I doubt right. it's Savini. Uh, there was one official remake, and that was the 1990 Night of the Living Dead by uh, written by Romero and directed by Tom Savini, who yeah. by the, at this point, you guys should know who Tom Savini yeah. is. We've talked about him a bunch. Yes. He is the he's one of the best um, special effects guys yep. from the eighties. Yep. Like he's he's phenomenal. And if you've seen um, from Dust Till Dawn, yes. he's oh, that's the guy exactly with the top thinking. gun. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking about. So um, you know, he was actually this is something I didn't know before reading up on this. He was actually supposed to do the special effects for this movie, but at the time he was still in the military and he couldn't get off oh, no to shit. do it. I didn't, I didn't read that. So I didn't even know he was old enough. Yeah, seriously. I really had no idea he was that old. Um, I met him once. Great guy. Fucking nice as shit. Really? Yeah, cool. I met him at one of the uh, conventions. Really nice guy. Um, so uh, I said that this film has been an inspiration for several remakes. Oh. And I also said rip-offs. Uh, due to public domain status yes. of the film. Did so you did you want to explain that or did you want me so, to? So so what happened was, you know, you have, you have copyright protection. You know, whenever you produce something, you, ha- you, you put a copyright protection notice on there. It's your intellectual property. By common law, when you, whenever you produce something, like we're producing this, this is copyright protected by us. Um, but you have to let people know about it. You have to put the right notification on there. Whenever you look at, like, you know, the, 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 that one... That one screen, you'll see the copyright notice on that screen. Well, unfortunately, it a mishap because this uh, this movie wasn't originally supposed to be called Night of the Living Dead. No. It was called The Night of the Flesh Eaters. Well, originally monster flick when monster it was flick. being written. Then it changed to Night of Anubis. Not, not, I didn't know that. Didn't and know then to Night of the Flesh Eaters. And that's where they put all the proper copyright protections yes. on there. But night of, apparently there was another movie called Night of the Flesh Eaters that <laughs> yeah. was coming out at the same yes, time. Yes, go so. figure. So they forgot <sighs> one to do, I've never fucking heard of. Never heard of it. <laughs> so they forgot to do the they forgot to put the same protections on Night of the Living Dead. As soon as they as soon as they put it out there. Yeah, I think it was the distribution company yep. didn't put the trademark they on. They fucked up. So they, as soon as they put it out there. It's open. It's open. It's in public domain. Weird thing was, was like you only had to have that copyright protection on the film between like, I think it was 1954 and 1987 Mm -hmm. or something like that. And then they, you was automatically copyrighted Mm -hmm. anything that came out after like 1986, um, which is 
interesting in and of itself. But so it's public domain. You can yeah. do whatever you want with it. Yeah, you can, and and people have. I mean, oh yeah, big companies like Columbia took the movie and just colorized it. Yep. Uh, they don't need to pay anybody for it. Nope. They just take it. They colorize it, and it's been colorized multiple times. Yep. One time the ghouls were all green. Another time the ghouls were gray. Uh, there was one that was redone by his co-writer who at one point he had to sue mm-hmm. because he was putting out um, Day of the Dead, or no, I'm sorry, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, and this other guy was putting out, um, uh, I can't remember, the. I think it was Night of the Living Dead 2 uh, in 1978, and he was saying that they were deviant uh, stories. Mm-hmm. But he had taken a lot of the stuff from the original movie and put it into this. And yeah. he, he used the Living Dead title, mm-hmm. which I don't understand why that was taboo. But the using Living Dead was the issue yeah. that won the court case. So he had to throw out. He had to change all of his because he was originally promoting his film as the creators of Night of the Living Dead yeah. and all this other stuff. He had to throw all that all shit out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something like $50 million was lost for the investors because of all this. Yeah, because of the, well, yeah, it was a ton of money. ton of money. ton of money was lost. But you know who didn't lose money? The distribution company. <laughs> the distribution company made out fine. Yeah. But, of course, the producers of the film got fucked. I yeah. mean, that was, uh, the company that put this out was a company called Image 10, mm-hmm. which was just, you know, George Romero and nine other people that he knew, the yep. nine other investors. Yep. Uh, a couple of them were married with each other, which is why the original investment was only $6,000, mm-hmm. even though there was 10 people. Um, so <sighs> that's pretty much everything I, that gets us up to the film. The I film think. itself, yeah, I think so. Uh, the only other thing I have written down for it was that uh, Bosco chocolate syrup was what was used for the blood in the Gore. film. There was, I thought there was some ham, too, or something like that. Well, the that. ham was the flesh. The flesh. They used... They, there was... Uh, pretty much everything that was used in the film was kind of contributed by people working on the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one of the guys that worked on the film, I don't know if he was an actor or, or a producer guy, owned a bunch of butcher shops. Mm-hmm. So he was bringing meat, uh, ham and, and other types of meat, to the film so mm-hmm. that they could film it um, and film them eating it made it look like it was like, you know, a ham bone doesn't look that different than a human bone. Yeah. If you really look at it, um, like a, le- you know, the front leg, the, the w- looks similar. Right. So um, they were of course eating the meat and they had the chocolate, the Bosco chocolate on top of it. Apparently it was making a lot of the people that were zombies and doing shooting these scenes was making them sick to the point where they were saying like they didn't even need makeup by the third day. They looked like they, <laughs> they were fucking like dead. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> all these people looked like they were dead by the third day because of all the shit that they were eating and like they would eat it and then yak it up because it was disgusting. That's great. So um, there's that. Uh, I will also say before we actually get into the movie. Um, the cast, which I'll go through pretty goddamn quick for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, George A. Romero, he's the only one that actually did anything after this. Yes, everybody um, else just kind of yeah. win. He directed a lot of cool shit, uh, including Season of the Witch. Mm-hmm. Not 
the Halloween season of The Witch. This no. was season of The Witch from 1972, which I've seen. It's okay. The Crazies, the original Crazies from 1973, which was remade in 2000 and something. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, Creep Show, which of course Creep is a Show. great fucking yeah, film. You need to watch Creep Show. Uh, Day of the Dead, Monkey Shines is a Mon- decent movie. Monkey Shines. The Dark Half, which is my favorite Stephen King I'm, movie. Yeah, it is. That is, and it doesn't. I mean, Dark Half completely gets like. It's great. It's a it's, great it is, fucking flick. It is a great flick. I mean, I like other movies more. I watch them more. But The Dark Half, I think, is pro- if I were going to rate them, I would say that was my highest rated it's one. It's great, yeah. It's a really good flick. Uh, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and The Survival of the Dead. Those are all the movies he directed. Uh, there was a couple other little things here and there. Um, Dwayne Jones, who yeah. plays Ben. Ben. He was originally supposed to be a white trucker. The the, the the character that was written for him, correct. Yeah, and he was also supposed to be kind of like a low-tier low type. You know, like, a, you know, he was supposed to be talking with slang and be yeah. like, he wasn't very bright, but he was... He, uh, was con- he was street smart. Street smart, so he yeah. that's how he was supposed to get through it. But it, when Dwayne Jones came on, when they hired him to do it, he was a highly educated man. He was a college professor, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, he he's also did very little other than this. He um, did Ganja and Hess, Losing Ground, Beach Street, mm-hmm. which uh, most people know that one. Uh, to Die For from 1988, that's not the Kidman film. And Vampires from 1988, that's not the uh, Carpenter version. Carpenter version. So, um, I have seen that in forever. James but, Woods. Yeah. So the uh, he did a couple flicks, but um, they, I don't want to say, that a lot of people say he, they rewrote the role because he came in and said he didn't want to play a dummy, but because essentially they had a very loose mm-hmm. movie. To yes. begin with, like they had, this is where we're, this is what we're doing in this scene. Mm-hmm. They didn't give a shit what you said. Yes. Like they're almost nine. I think they said like 90% of the movie was ad-libbed. Yeah. It was more plot driven. Yeah. It was so more, everything yeah. was, we have to get from the, yes. the, you're in the graveyard and yeah. this is happening. Yeah. Then you get to the house and yeah. this is happening. Then this other guy go shows to, up and this is happening. And you go to the gas station. Right. I mean, it, it was very specific on yeah. what needed to happen. But the dialogue didn't matter. Yeah. So he just, you know, created his own dialogue. Yeah. It was very much more highly educated type uh, dialogue. Uh, Judith O'Day, who plays Barbara, was, I guess he, she was kind of starstruck, I guess. I don't understand it because she plays the role. The role was originally supposed to be a much stronger woman mm-hmm. in, in this movie. But she played the role in a way that she was just so dumbstruck by everything yeah. that happened that she was just completely out of it. They liked the way she played the role so much that they just kind of rewrote some of the, the plot lines to go along with her yes. characterization of the role. Uh, Carl Hardman played Harry Cooper. Marilyn Eastman played Helen Cooper. And Kyron Schoen played Karen Cooper. Now, uh, Hardman and Eastman were both romantically and financially involved with each other mm-hmm. and um shown was literally heart was hardman's daughter in real life mm-hmm. so um now i don't they, they were never married as far as i could find 
but they were financially involved, like they were business partners. Right. And then they were also at some point romantically they involved, were, they but they never really said why. Uglies, yeah. And they didn't say that it, she was her mother, but he was her father. Right. Uh, shit. Uh, Keith Wayne played Tom. Judith Riley played Judy. Um, she only did one other movie called There's Always Vanilla, which a lot of these people kind of went in and did after this. Um, uh, S. William Heisman is the original zombie, mm-hmm. the one in the... Yeah, uh, the one you see in the background that just kind of right. lumbering... The only them. one that you really yeah. think of when it, you think honestly, of this movie. Honestly, when you see the movie, the first 10 minutes is, like, very memorable. Yeah. Um, Barbara. Yeah, we'll, we're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, George uh, Kasana played Sheriff McClell- McClelland. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I kind of brought him up, he never really did much of a career. He did this, and he, he did There's Always Vanilla... Uh, but he also did My Uncle John is a Zombie, where he re- he redoes the role of Sheriff McClellan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting that he kind of revisited that role, like, in 2016 or some nonsense like that. Or 2012 or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Uh, a lot of these people were in a movie called Santa Claus, which was a Christmas horror movie. Um, Marilyn Eastman was in House Guest, okay. which was that uh, the movie with um, Hartman, where yes, uh, yes. Sinbad comes and that's lives right. at their yeah, house. Right, yeah. Love that fucking movie, dude. That movie is great. Um, but that's pretty much it. None of them really had much of a career, and a lot of them had kind of career, a little, uh, some acting careers like in the 2000s. Like they had nothing from 68 till 2010. Yeah. But then there was a, the 30th anniversary had come out and like Rift Tracks did it and yeah. a couple other things did it. Actually, it wasn't Rift Tracks. It was Laugh Track that did it, which is the same fucking thing. Right. The same um, ad-libbing over so a bunch. So from that point on, like they were getting like roles because they were in that movie. Right. That's the only reason, not because they were actors or anything. I feel like I've been just nodding my head the entire time. Right, right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> no, it's okay. that's, that's pretty much everything. Yeah. So let's yeah. get into the actual movie now that we've spent 45 minutes discussing all that nonsense. That's <laughs> okay. I, you know, you, there's a lot of information, and this is a classic <coughs> freaking movie. So I, I admire this movie. I admire what Romero did. And, you know, this real, again, just like uh, Scream changed the genre in the 90s, this kind of genre changed the genre from cardboard cutouts and your monster classic shit over to more of a, what do you want to say, earthy, like just. Gorish. Well, they're the gore. gore. This is the beginning of the slasher films. This, this is, but it's the, not really a slasher. It's it's not a slasher film in regards to having a killer go around and kill people. Yeah, but it is the gore aspect yes. of a slasher film that mm-hmm. this is the birth of that. You're kind of going into a taboo <laughs> area, right? I mean, you know, this was taken. This concept was taken and went in one direction with Jaws and another direction with Halloween. Yes, but I, they both have inspirations coming back to this yeah, film. It's it's and I yeah that's that's perfect that's perfect. Um, there's a lot that I like about this movie, both just philosophical wise and just philosophical wise. You know, people. As as anybody, because this is this has a ninety six percent 
positive. Positive from Rotten Tomato yes. critics and like an 87 from viewers. There's a reason for that. But the thing is, you have a lot of these you know, movie philosophers like, because Ben was black. This is this shows a uh, you know like uh, the the these of the the end of the movie where he comes out and they end up shooting his ass anyway. You know this is uh, this shows a plight of the black man. If you read if you listen to Romero, he's like had nothing to do with it. And this is and I love what he says. Oh, we just casted him because he was the best one who did who yep. he, who was like. Well, look at that fucking that. Well, we originally, that shit. it was he was questioned a lot originally because 1968, the summer of 1968 was when Martin Luther King was shot. Yeah, and that's the first time he he heard on the like he was like a ride home when he heard it, and they were talking about the movie. Apparently. But the film was already finished. It was by already then. finished. Like, oh, this is this is like no, he no. was just the one who was the best at auditioning. Imagine that. You know? Yeah. So there was no race relation in this. Exactly. We had not, and again, but you have assholes. Well, the critics, man, they love making bullshit a mountain out of a fucking molehill, especially they, with this movie. They do. They I just, I was reading a shit oh, ton of the critical like, bust. Like they were talking about how this, like this one scene happens, and it's supposed to like be this archetype of the of the consciousness of the yeah. country, and and this and that and the everything. I'm like, what the it fuck re- are you, you talking know, Romero's about? Romero's thinking to himself, he's like, we need to get from point C. <laughs> To point D. <laughs> and That's we, exactly what he's thinking about. We he's want more- zombies eating. Oh, <laughs> one of the reviews that came out like late, like about five, ten years after the movie was talking about how this, the, the movie was a an attack on capitalism. Yeah. Because they, the zombies were yes. capitalists. Yeah. And they were trying to take out the, the, the consciousness of the country and blah, 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 blah. And it's like. Dude, <laughs> this movie is about capitalism because all they wanted to do was make, make a movie make, and make, make fucking money. Make fucking money. That's <laughs> all is, it was. This is not an attack on capitalism. Yeah, it's just like, and, and you have you see this shit across <laughs> everything. Yeah, these movie movie viewers are reading too much, or, or just it's because they can't like something. Yeah, they can't unless like, there's some kind yeah. of underlining. Uh, Message exactly, and that message has to be their message. They're they're mad. They can't go to cocktail parties and sniff their own farts out of a wine glass if they don't have a movie that they just reviewed. Well, you know, with that one scene where that little girl was eating her parents, that actually was the uh, that was matricide. (laughs) That was every little girl always wants to kill her mother at some point yeah, in time. That's what that is. And this was seen was put in there yeah. to give you that ma- that that version of matricide that couldn't be de- delivered in any other yeah. way. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking R- Romero, about? She was a zombie. She fucking killed. She just ate her. That was it. That was the thing. That, she's a flesh eater. Yeah, bingo. That's it. That's a fucking movie. But you need to say this to sound cool at you, fucking yeah, parties. You, you, need, you need to sound <laughs> smart. It. These fucking mouth breathers. So anyway, I met George Romero. Nice guy. I don't know that he was that deep of a thinker. I, I mean, he was just kind of there, like was, taking everything in. Yeah. Seemed to really like being around people. Yeah, just want to make a fucking movie, make some mucks. I don't see him being the kind that's like, I need to make a a. Di-. That's just like when they tried to do that with Day of the Dead when in the mall. Well, that was. Oh. That was because it was the 1980s and malls were taking over the country and this was backlash against malls. I'm like, 
No, it took place in a fucking mall. It a, That's it, it. It's a pretty cool fucking setup for a mall, too. <laughs> I thought it was pretty damn cool, don't you think? It, it took place in a freaking mall. It's like You are making way too much out of this guess nonsense. This was, was popular in the 80s. A fucking mall. Yeah. <laughs> That's, for, That's why, Christ. you know? So anyway, uh, you want to talk about the movie, like... There's, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I mentioned, you know, earlier, like ten minutes, five minutes ago, about like one of the most memorable scenes was this, was the first scene. They pull up and they're going to see. So I was gonna, I was gonna say, this movie to me boils down to three scenes. Okay. 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 Let me see if I can pick them out. Actually, there's more like... I'm thinking about five scenes. Okay, so the first scene... Well, there's a couple other ones that right. are kind of right, important to the movie, but there's three scenes right. to me that I love. Let me see Let me see if I can do this. <clears throat> All right. I think the three scenes that you're going to pick are, and I could be wrong, the first scene, slapping the bitch, and he comes out and gets shot. Yep. Those are the God, three. God damn. Those God are the damn. three. Yes. <laughs> and it's it, those are the most impactful scenes to me. Now, now more than any fucking thing else. I was flirting with the idea of of the 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 uh, truck blowing up. I was flirting with that. That to me is almost an incidental scene. Okay, it's kind of like there to take away their escape. That's well, all that the only I, I, reason it's there. But I, but I, I agree. I think the three most memorable scenes in this movie were the the opening scene where they're fucking jer- jerking off the. How many times? And this guy's just taking his time to get to it. Oh, I know. (laughs) How many times in your life, before you saw this movie, did you hear, they're coming to get you, Barbara? Like, I think everybody's heard it. Yeah, iconic. Okay, it's iconic. It's it's more well-known. The saying is more well-known than the the actual movie, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's, I just don't. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Exactly. Like, and that scene is great. Now, let me ask you this, because this might just be me. To you, does Johnny look like Stephen Merchant? Yeah. I mean, he looks like a shorter version of Stephen Merchant to me. I just, I I can't, I can't watch that scene without thinking about Stephen Merchant. I agree, sir. (laughs) It's so goofy. But yeah, that scene, which, by the way, for the most part, is kind of overacted. It, it really is, but. That is so iconic, you can't get away from it. Yep. Now, you said Ben slaps Barbara. Yes. No. Ben doesn't slap Barbara. No. Barbara slaps Sorry. Ben. Ben decks Barbara. Sorry about that. Yeah. Knocks her the, knocks fuck, the fuck out. out. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. How brave do you have to be to have a black man punch a white woman in 1968 on film no matter what you say about not wanting to yeah, be political yeah. no, or anything brave, else, yeah. that's fucking brave. That's brave. That, you, that could have blown up in so many ways. It could have blown up on Dwayne Jones. It could have yeah. blow, blow up on... No. I wonder why. Because I wonder fucking why. It was sensible. And to be perfectly honest, it was just at the tail end of being allowed to just slap a bitch. Yes. And I say that in in a kind of a loving way. If you go back in the days and you watch like the old 50s and the 60s, and they kind of make fun of this in Airplane, okay? If you've seen Airplane where the woman is is completely out of control and the doctor slaps her and then there's a whole line of people standing behind her just to slap the bitch to get her to shut up. Yes. I mean, that's where they had taken it to at that point in time. But... 
prior to that, like if a woman was was become this is this is how far we've come as a society, even though we don't want to acknowledge it. Women, first off, were second class citizens back then. Yes, they were. Okay, they definitely were back then. They're not anymore. So I don't want to no. hear that nonsense. No, they are certainly not. If a woman became irrational, it was a man's responsibility to knock the piss out. Not, of not something out of the realm of reasonable. It was his responsibility to slap her. Yes. Get the fuck with the get. Get the fuck. It was to bring her down to to calm her down. Yes, because she was probably fucking high because off of a cough medicine. A husband was a replacement for a father. Yep. And women were too emotional and irrational. Something changed between now and then. So, oh. they'll, so they'll tell you. I think women are are there are certain women that are still too irrational, too crazy, but. There's plenty of women that weren't, and there was plenty of women back then that weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to pretend like this is, I'm, you know, yeah. I. But what I'm trying to discuss is society as a whole. Yeah. But you have a, you had Tillis, who got killed. In, you know, was it Texas that he got killed in, or was it? I can't remember. Was it Texas, Alabama? I, it was one of the southern states. Tillis gets killed. For supposedly hitting on a white woman. Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Because um, he was from Chicago. I know yeah. he was from yeah. Chicago. He went down south with a, I think it was with a uh, uh, Catholic, uh, like a church group. Mm-hmm. And they were going down south to do some kind of um, stuff, I, I, some kind of thing with the church. I, I can't remember the finer details. But Tillis goes down there. He's going to a bar and this white woman claims we we still to the day have no idea if she, she was telling the truth or not that he hit on her mm-hmm. like s- spoke to her yeah that was good enough for you know five white men to take him beat him to death and then yeah. fucking hang him from a tree yes okay so we've come a long way racially we've come a long way you know uh, the the patriarchy and all that nonsense we have has it's not even remotely so close. No. But to sit there and see something like this is still shocking in 20... It's probably more shocking in 2020 or 2010. Because we're so, we're because so racially we're, like just sensitized right now that everything is a fucking... It, racial sensitivity. We The knowledge of what was going on in 1968 and, and acknowledging the fact that, you know, King was killed in 68. Tillis was killed not too long before yeah. that. I mean, those kinds of things were happening in the country, and then you have a black man slap a white woman who wasn't his wife, yep. just punch her and knock her the fuck out. I mean, that conceptually is just, like, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why that scene, to, even to me today, and I know that we just kind of shit on critics for making something bigger than it really was, mm-hmm. To me, that is just something that has gone through time. From the very first time I saw it till watching it the other day, I just conceptually just can't get can't past that. It. And the funny thing was, Romero ne- meant nothing by that scene. I'm sure he didn't. I'm you sure he didn't. You but know, it, it, it's it's amazing. It's a, Romero meant nothing by that scene, but it's yet assholes out here that make something of it. You know. But he had to know. Yeah, to, do, but to have he, a black man punch, 
punch a white woman who wasn't his wife in the face in 1968 was going to have to cause some kind of controversy. As you saw, there was a bunch of fucking protests across the country. Romero's probably like, this could, eh, fuck it. I don't think Which is care. the way people should be. There was so many ah, fuck it. there was so many people like coming out against this movie for different reasons. Oh, yeah, the gore. And because the, the mostly for the gore, it. but I mean there was just crazy. But then, you know, shooting him at the end, which, you know, obviously you could Oh, it's cause you just want the cops to kill a black man. No. Fuck hard. It is one of the best it's endings. It's one of the best endings. The only thing that tops it, it, it we talked about it last week, was the mist. Yeah. The fucking mist, yeah. where he literally is in a car and kills his entire family, yeah. and the the military shows up to save him. Yes, two like, minutes later, yeah. Not even that is the most depressing. It pulls your balls up into and your that, body and to th- think about. And that. that is movie making. That is that is the point of these. It takes movies. balls to do that. It's storytelling, it, and it, it's and these stories are supposed to create some type of emotional reaction with you, unlike. That well, piece of shit we reviewed last week, right. having been, it just, it just, it, it, oh, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic ending. They I actually wanted they actually wanted a better ending. Well, the distributors, most of the big distributors, said that they would take the movie if he refilmed the ending. Mm-hmm. He said no. Fuck it. He only found one distributor that would put it out. Of course, that distributor made him change the name of the film, and then in in turn. Forgot. Cost him his fucking copyright, but one way or the other, <laughs> you know, it, the the truth of the matter is, is it took balls to put that out. Yep. Because you want you're you want to please your audience, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there's anything wrong. I think he also created this concept that the bad guy can win. The, or, or not the bad guy per se, but the evil it win. doesn't have the, the menace can win. Right, the menace can overpower yeah. the good, yep. and that concept didn't really exist before nope. that. Nope. And then it also that concept led to probably one of the most memorable endings of a movie ever. Like uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. All right. Sure. I mean, it, I'm not sure if that's a direct. Uh, well, I mean, uh, he lives, obviously, but still. They won, you know, and, and the right. Men, the bad the, guys win. The menace won. I mean, you, you, you another, another. Uh, well, that's the concept of a trilogy Blair, Blair at this Witch point. Project too. I mean, that's why I love Blair Witch Project. Well, another phenomenal movie. I know you and I disagree on that, but I think it's a phenomenal movie. I, I, I it's I, great I, movie. I have making. reservations on that one. Great movie making. Great movie making. I, I, whatever. We'll we'll talk about that on another time. I'm not going to get into that this right now. I'm we're we're probably well over time at this oh, yeah. point. It's all right. So anyway, uh, those are the three scenes in my opinion and, and that's that those, make this fucking movie and those more than anything really else. Really make the movie. I mean, the in between, the cannibalism, you know, the the daughter. It just, I mean, it, cannibalism. To I mean, I hate to say it. It's it's almost passe at this point because we've seen it a million and a yeah, half times yeah. because. Because of this movie, yes, creating the zombie genre, which is in itself, I mean, dude, we we have we've been we've had ten seasons of The Walking Dead, seriously, which would video, not have existed. Yeah, video games. Left for Dead is making another their another another Left for Dead movie. Uh, com, um, I think it's coming for you or something like yeah, that. Yes, so I saw it. Like so many video games. I mean, uh, Call of Duty of uh, Vanguard. Is coming out in a month. Well, all of the move, all the games have zombie but modes this one now. Is dedicated all the big to, ones. This one is literally dedicated. Dedicated. It's like the zombies. I mean, zombies are a 
It's either zombies or Nazis. Those are the other yeah. ones that everybody wants it's, to kill. It, it, is, it is a thing. It, yeah. it is really crazy. But it's, though, it's a thing because of this movie. And absolutely. I don't, I don't think that anything else would have impacted. I don't know that anything else ever came out that pushed enough to make the zombie f- concept a reality. I, I, this because one, zombie movies from the early Universal days were not this nothing no, like this. Zombies no. were bullshit. bullshit. This, they were just bore, more or less like slaves or, or bitches that did correct. the evil deeds of this, their masters. This was, even though they were ghouls, this was the original zombie movie. And dad damn, did it spring... Tons. Tons. Like I say, there's there's probably dozens, not even just Night of the Living Dead Marvel, ripoffs, the but Marvel zombies. Yeah, I mean, shit like that. It's just it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it, and you can incorporate it into anything, which is why, like I said, you have all these games that have. Yep. What was that Dead Red Redemption? They had an yeah, entire zombie, zombie mode, yeah. and yep. like every every Halloween, a different game seems to put out a zombie mode. Yep. So it's you know it's out there it's it's part of the the culture at this point and Absolutely. it would I don't know that it would have happened no. if if we didn't have this movie no it would I mean not it have. could have but I don't think so it's I don't like think Bla- the attraction would have been there like Blair Witch Project spawned an entire different horror genre itself yeah Sound but that footage. genre sucked <laughs> see I just I I I had to I I think Paranormal Activity was a great movie oh my God and, and really yeah I think it was a great movie How? Blair Witch is phenomenal. I Dude, you watch an hour and a half of fucking cameras going back and forth and nothing happens. Like a brick will fall. Or, you know, the the the, the I, fucking I, broom I, I will fall off the countertop. It's like, what the fuck is going on? This is so dumb. It's, it's and then you get down to the last three minutes and, and you have like a, 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 a ghost that you can't even fucking see for like 30 seconds. I thought that was great. I, but again, I think Blair Witch is one of the best horror movies of all time. Oh my God. So good. So good. I don't hate it, but I like it for a lot different reasons than you do, I'm sure. The reason why I love Blair Witch is the storytelling in it. And it, it does exactly what movies don't do these days. <clears throat> if you watch Blair Witch... When they're interviewing everybody, there is a very subtle, very subtle, like, 10-second interview with a guy saying, yeah, when uh, when um, he would make the girls or the, the kids turn and face the other way. Yep. When he was, and it's, it was so subtle. Yep. And then the scariest part of that movie is when he goes in the basement. And she, and he's there in the corner. That, yeah, I to agree. me, is phenomenal. And then the camera falls. Yep. I, I, I agree. I do love that scene. I think, and like I said, there's certain scenes in that movie that I like, that I appreciate, but there's way too much bullshit in between. Bullshit in between. Um, But I mean, what the other the other scene from that movie that I I just will never fucking get past is, you know, I can't find the map. The map was shit, man. I just threw it in the river. I kicked it in the fucking river. I, I I love that scene. And his reaction to that scene, and everybody's just like at the end of their rope. I mean, it, it's done really well. Yeah. But was I, I don't know how much of it was acting and how much of it wasn't because she just never had a career afterward. None of them did. No. Like he- Heather Donahue ended up showing up in 
Uh, I saw her in one other movie. Uh, She was in a TV series. I don't know. I remember her in Loser, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that was what she was in. Remember the movie Loser? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the one that she was in. And that's the only other thing I remember seeing her in. It was one of those teenage, like, you know, fall in love movies. But I, I still think back to that because, I mean, that's what storytelling should be, but you don't see these. That, that little nuance right in the beginning, and it's a creepy-ass nuance. When she's when he, when he Russell Parr is killing the kids, he made the other kids face the corner. Yeah. So you have that in plain your head, and as soon as you see that, that's what you're thinking. It, it, it was just... Yeah, you didn't have to do anything. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and having the camera fall over and not really seeing what's yeah. going on, that... I mean, the only thing else that I would have added there was possibly having the the body land a little bit in front of the camera and either getting pulled away or, like, kind of getting jerked around yeah, like, like jerk, this. Yeah. That would be the only other thing I would have done to make it even a little more impactful. Yeah. But and, other than that, it was a but – but this is the movie, and we're pretty much done it. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, what do you what, – what grade do you give this movie? I, I would give it an 8.5. 8.5. But I give it a 10 for what it did. All right. 8.5 for the movie itself, but for the impact on the landscape, I give it a 10. Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. <clears throat> um, I come in a little lower. I ca- Not that it's a bad film. I just don't. A lot of it doesn't hold up. I think a lot of the zombie scenes are like. I don't think that they're gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand why people thought they were gratuitous because I, even as a time. kid, I it didn't feel like they were gratuitous. For 20 minutes, I know, I know, I know. But I'm saying you never really, it's not like they rip an arm off or something. Right. They, they, there's never a scene of like, you know, really taking somebody out. Yeah. Not I don't know. Whatever. I I I mean I'm gonna come in at like seven and a half, so it's That's not fair. like That's it's fair. a bad number. It's just there there was a lot of cinematic issues with it. Mm-hmm. I think that they were accidentally good. If it was done on purpose, I think it would have got. I would have given it like a nine or a nine five. Mm-hmm. But since it was accidental, That's what you're saying. I can't like give them bonus points just because it turned out better yeah. than it should have. Yeah. Um. But they 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 backdoored themselves into one of the best movies of all time. Right. I mean, it's number, like, I think it's number 11 on most horror movies. Oh, really? uh, like, it was like AFI's horror movie list. I think they were number 11. Right. So, it, it's just, it's up there on a lot of those lists. Mm-hmm. And for good cause. I mean, it's a great movie. George Romero, really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Funny. Um kind of guy that he had to have somebody there with him mm-hmm. to keep the move, keep the line moving oh, because really? he would literally just sit there talk. and talk to you. Like he's that kind of guy. That's he's cool. very nice. He loves his fans. He loved his, well, he's, he's passed. He passed in 2017, but he was that kind of guy, man. He was very giving of his time. He That's was a very nice guy. I think he, you know, the, the, his legacy will not be lost to, I mean, this movie is in the the hall, the Congress, the congressional be. movie. Uh, I, I, what what the hell is that called? Uh, congressional, the congressional library. library. Yeah. 
uh, or the Library of Congress. Some they of, yeah. they take movies that are impactful for the this, time. This is it. This is one of the movies that's in there. It's yep. like you. How much more can you say? Yep. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Yep. I would watch this movie a hundred times before I watch Citizen Kane. I get that. Yeah. So. All right. Well, good deal. So next week is Halloween or our Halloween weekend show. So. Yeah, we've got one more Halloween movie for you. Maybe Mars Attacks. Maybe it's up to you. You know, something else. So, anyway, thanks for checking us out. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. We took all your time up tonight. It's but fine. I think it was worth it. It was worth it. Anyway, we'll be back next week with our Halloween weekend show. Bye bye. <laughs>